Latina, fierce, fighter, a San Diego native with a laugh as big as her hair. These are just a few things to describe Jessica Yanez. She is the creator and the host of the Wine and Cheese podcast. But that's only the beginning. Jessica has always been curious about the people and stories around her and knew there was opportunity to shine the light on those who don't seek the spotlight in communities of color. With a passion for storytelling, she's dedicated to weave her mission and her commitment to community and create a place where vision and voice come together. She has had the opportunity to live across the southwestern United States and has worked for organizations as large as the North Texas Super Bowl Host Committee, all the way to startup nonprofits. But ultimately, there's no place like home for this San Diego girl, and she has found her happy place where it all began. Let's listen to her story and how her career took her to doing something she loves and making an impact. Hola, my name is Jessie Medina. Welcome to Femex Podcast, a bilingual female empowerment show that brings inspiration and resources for women who want to thrive and live life on their own terms. In each episode, we talk about the stories of women who overcame adversity and empower themselves to follow their dreams. Are you ready to grow and be inspired along with me? Let's do this. Hi everyone, welcome to Femex Podcast. I am here today with my dear friend and amazing woman, Jessica Yanez. Hi Jess, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing so great, especially because you brought me some wine. Well, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be my namesake if I didn't bring wine. Right, this is the first podcast interview that I've had on my podcast with wine, so thank you for that. Well, I have to do I do it every yes, podcast. So Jess is an incredible woman and, and you're doing pretty much like your dream that you didn't even realize. But before we get into that, I do want to hear about where you started from, where you come from. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I am a born and raised San Diego girl. I grew up in a suburb of San Diego called Escondido. It's about 35 minutes north of downtown. And, you know, I, I was really fortunate. I had a really, really great childhood. Obviously, no upbringing is perfect, yeah. but I had parents who loved me, who I didn't really have to need for anything. I had really great friends. I had my challenges. You know, there were times where I was made fun of and I was bullied. But I think those types of things make you stronger, even though in the moment they don't, right? Mm -hmm. In the moment, you're, especially if you're, I was never like the super skinny kid. I was always like the chunky kid and I would get made fun of for that or for my hair. I would get called fro. So, I mean, I definitely had those, those moments, but I don't let those things overtake me. I remember them to know that I've overcome them. But when I think back to my childhood, I'm more fond of the good times than mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. You focus on the good times. For sure. What was like the hardest challenge for you growing up? I would say middle school is always the roughest part. I think I'm probably not the only one who, who thinks that. There was a time in middle school where I used to be bullied so much mm -hmm. that I would call my mom at lunchtime and beg her to come pick me up. And I'd be like, please come pick me up. I can't take it. And it was for either my, it was usually the things I would get made fun of was never for my, who I was. It was mm -hmm. always for either being chunky or having big hair. 
Mm -hmm. which now I embrace. <laughs> which is crazy because I think being a Latina, we even me growing up with curly hair, I think we do get some crap for it. <laughs> it's crazy now people are embracing the curly hair look. But especially back in the day, even when I was young, my aunt straightened my hair. So did you ever feel like you needed to do that growing up? Absolutely. Wow. I hated my hair growing up. It was like this big cotton ball. <laughs> and I didn't, nobody knew, like my mom didn't know how to deal with mm -hmm. it. And I would do anything to try and straighten it. We would use every, anything and everything under the sun that was out there to try and straighten your hair. Wow. It never stayed straight for more than like a week or two. Mm -hmm. And then it would always revert back to curly. I think once I hit high school, I embraced it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then when I lived in Dallas as an adult, it wasn't that I didn't like my curly hair. It was just, it was so humid. It was mm -hmm. hard to keep the curl nice. Mm -hmm. so I would straighten it often. But now being back in San Diego, once I moved back to California, I just, I rarely straighten my hair. I embrace my curls. I love my curls. And I think, like I said, once I hit high school, I started embracing my curls. But as an adult, I truly do. I love your story because I feel like a lot of people that get bullied, they tend to sometimes become defensive and become sensitive and I feel like you're like the opposite of that I almost feel like you want to stand up for other people that quote-unquote get bullied now right as adults I feel like you always care about others how was that process for you how did you process do you feel like being bullied gave you some sort of empathy towards others oh I'm sure it did I don't know if I've really thought like fully mm -hmm. gone through that thought process but I'm sure it did the one thing that hasn't changed about me is my love for people I've always loved people since I was little I was always that little girl who a new student would come and I'd be like, hi, I'm Jessica, <laughs> how are you? And want to hear their story. So like in re that regards, nothing has changed. I would say being bullied, well, I think for a time after I was bullied, I became the bully for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because I was like trying to give it out before somebody mm -hmm. would give it to me. And then at some point, obviously that changed. And I'm somebody who I've, I'm the first to say I'm a bleeding heart, right? I feel for other people. I'm very empathetic for other people. And I think it was when I would start learn, really learning people's stories because I think when you don't know the other side of, you know, when somebody mm -hmm. just shows us a particular thing that or, or we just decide we want to see a particular mm -hmm. side of somebody, it's very hard to get them out of that box mm -hmm. unless you get to know them. So I think when I really started learning people's stories and wanting to hear and then hearing everything that different people have gone through, it made me realize that I have no place to judge. Mm -hmm. Like, who am I to judge these people? And I think that was a process. I don't think there was just one like mm -hmm. moment where I was like, oh. <laughs> but I think it was just a process of happening. And then the more people... I got to know outside of my circles, right? The more diverse my group got, the more I wanted to hear these stories and the more I would just hear like little things. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And asking questions and wanting to know. And I think that's just kind of only grown since I've, you know, become an adult and gotten older. So you survived school and bullying. <laughs> I did. It made you a better person. And then what happened after high school? Two weeks before my junior year of high school started, mm -hmm. we actually moved from San Diego to New Mexico, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So literally two weeks before school. And let me just say, like, when I was at school here in high school, I was a cheerleader. I played softball. I was in student government. Yes. Like, I was, I had my place, right? Mm -hmm. I had my friends. I had my place. And then it went from that to literally knowing 
nobody. Yeah. So we spent two years in Albuquerque. I actually went through a really difficult time. I ha- I went through a medical depression wow. while I was there where I had to take, you know, pills, antidepressants mm-hmm. and everything. Wow. I cannot even picture, knowing you now, <laughs> I can't even picture that, but I believe you. And a week after I graduated high school, we moved back to California. Wow. So it was, it was rough Mm -hmm. because then when we came back to California, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to university and I couldn't because we lost our California. Yeah. Like our, um, you, you, you're no longer resident. So I I lost my right. We lost our residency. So in that year, you have to wait until you file taxes again Mm -hmm. to establish yourself as a resident. So during that year, I kind of went a little wild. I started working right away and me and a couple of friends had full-time jobs that at that point in time when you're like 17 18 years old making $1,500 a month living with your parents and this is you know 25 years ago too because mm-hmm. I'm not a spring chicken <laughs> <laughs> and you're like yeah let's party and being here in San Diego we used to go to Tijuana all the time wow like nice. yeah <laughs> le- legit all the time Wednesdays for college night Thursdays we would drive up to Riverside to this place called Metro and have there and then Fridays and Saturdays we'd be in Tijuana too so and we had the money and so we were party animals so I spent definitely some time I moved out when I was 18 I'm giving you like the super condensed version right Mm -hmm. moved out when I was 18 my parents moved up to Orange County and then I wanted to go back to school so then I right before my 19th birthday I think I moved up to Orange County and because I wanted to go to school I wanted to finish now that we had residency and everything I wanted to go back to school so I really just worked doing little taking as many classes as I could while I worked because my parents didn't help Mm -hmm. I had to do this all on my own and then right before my 22nd birthday like three weeks before my 22nd birthday I decided to move I went out with a girlfriend for cocktails and appetizers and she was going to move to Texas and she said, you should go. And I called my two best friends. I'm like, let's move. Let's go. (laughs) Just like that. Just like that. Literally. I had just broken up with a guy that I thought I was going to marry. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So literally the Monday before Labor Day, I, or the the Friday before Labor Day, I had applied for a job in Dallas with, I was working for AT&T at the time. So it was still with Mm AT&T. The day after Labor Day, I come back and have an email to do a phone interview the following day. By that Friday, they had offered me the job, wow. and by the next month, I had moved. It was meant to be. It was just, yeah, it was just that, literally that wow. quick. And then what were you doing over there, walking me through your career? Because you got to do a lot of really cool things before now, which is like the best, but yeah. tell me a little bit about our, our audience, a little bit about what you did and the projects that you worked on. So when I first moved back to Dallas, or when I first moved to Dallas, I was working in the customer-based marketing department of AT&T, which really meant it was kind of like inside sales, Mm -hmm. where people would call current customers, tell them the promotions, what was happening to get them to extend their contract or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I was there, I think, maybe three weeks, and I had gotten promoted. Wow. To a lead. And that time period during at AT&T, I definitely learned a lot in regards to leadership and everything because I was somebody coming from customer service where I was. Mm-hmm. They weren't used to kind of following things by the book. And I was used to like, you have to note everything down because you don't want people questioning you. And so if they didn't write notes or if they just, or if they were incomplete notes, they used to get like paid by line, right? And I would take the money away. <laughs> nope, you don't get your money. Nope, you don't get your money. Yeah. People would get mad at me mm-hmm. and I came in kind of like a bulldozer 
right? <laughs> like they didn't know me. Yeah. Here's this girl coming from, you know, another department in California, coming in, like throwing a wrench into mm-hmm. everything, taking their money away. I wasn't popular, mm-hmm. but that's for sure. But I didn't care. Yeah. And I think there comes a point you have to realize, like people would tell me I was abrasive. I had one person say like, I respect you as a person, but like, I don't like you. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. And she's actually a friend now, and mm-hmm. I've known her for a long time, like 20 years now. Wow. But I think I was really young. I was only 22 years old at that wow. time, being in this leadership position. And I wanted to show, like, my strength. Mm-hmm. But instead of coming around saying, hey, you guys, like, this is really how it should be done. This is what we're doing from now on. Like, this is what we want to see. I just kind of blew it all up. Right? It was like <laughs> sticking a, sticking some dynamite in there. Um, so I was at AT&T and I went from customer-based marketing to, I moved back to California and I was um, like an assistant manager at a retail store. And then I went, then I had, I ended up having to go on leave because I had really bad knees and it was mm-hmm. accelerating, standing up for a really long period of time. So I moved to Arizona. And while I was in Arizona, wow. I really didn't do anything. It was like I got a workers' comp settlement and everything. And it was one of those things that I had money and I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything. And I was just kind of being really wild again. Mm-hmm. And then after that time, I was like, well, let me, it's time to go back to Texas. Like, what am I doing here? I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm not progressing my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So in 2004, I moved back to Texas. You were all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. I've lived like the whole Southwest, just wow. kind of where I've where I've covered. And uh, I got a job with Singular before they turned into AT and T again in the fraud department. So really, it was people try and get phones fraudulently, open accounts fraudulently. So we would, if there were certain flags, we would call them. Mm-hmm. We would make sure, like, verify some very specific information. So I was there for a while. Then I moved into small B2B sales, small business to business sales. So after I left, once I left there, I worked and I went to um, IBEA, which is a Spanish language newspaper. Okay. Then it was a daily in Dallas and I was selling advertising. Wow. And I went from inside to outside sales. Those are hard sales. Like I'm not yeah. a hard salesperson. Like I'm that touchy, feely, yeah. but you'll never leave me because what sales really is, is you're selling yourself, mm-hmm. right? People, mm-hmm. people trust you. They want to stay with you. Mm-hmm. And advertising sales is definitely not like that. <laughs> advertising sales is about like what's happening now, what's happening in the moment. So after, I would think I was at Aldea for a year and then a uh, outdoor company wanted me and it was selling the, like the ads that you see on the buses. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, and they wanted me to just really when I was told was I would get all of the Hispanic agencies, all the Latino mm-hmm. agencies, those would be my clients to mm-hmm. deal with. Mm-hmm. So I went over there. and But when I went there, that wasn't somebody else came in at the same time. Oh, wow. And it was a Caucasian woman who said, no, 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 those are my agencies. <gasps> and she had, she like, was in a higher position uh-huh. than me, okay. but she never once got anything from wow. those agencies. So yeah. anytime... I would want to call. No, you can't call. Those are mine. Those are mine. Those are mine. But then she would never get anything from those agencies. 
So it was really frustrating, but I had started there right when the economic downfall had started. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that people like to do is cut advertising Mm -hmm. when things are going down. So at that time I was like, you know what, I keep saying, so I was the first one. I was the last one hired, the first one to let be let go, uh, get laid off because of the Mm fight, you know, what was happening. So I had kept saying, I wanted to go back to school. And if I keep saying it, but I'm not doing it. So if I'm going to do it, now is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. So I did. I was like, all right, let's go. I started, worked through trying to get financial aid, worked through everything. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like making that choice was the best thing that I've ever done because it led me to some really cool things. Like Mm -hmm. it led me to, I had a, I have a friend who she used to work up until recently for the Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau. And she was like, hey, Jessica, they're hiring for the Super Bowl committee, for the North Texas Super Bowl committee. I can get you in touch with the person. I was like, heck yeah. (laughs) And I interviewed with who is to this day, my mentor, Robbie, literally, I talked to her earlier today and she interviewed me and they ended up hiring somebody else, but they were so impressed with me that they created a position for me. Wow. And I was basically in charge of all of the interns, scheduling them. I also had to find all of the events that were happening in North Texas to mm-hmm. get, we had to help recruit 10,000 volunteers for all of the events that were happening prior to Super Bowl. And it was really cool. It led to that. Then I worked at a hockey, a minor league hockey team. Mm-hmm. I um, And then I worked in nonprofit for you know, a very extended period of time. (laughs) And I've, you know, I've been very fortunate with these things, but a lot of times it's, you know, the relationships that I've built Mm -hmm. that people are like, Hey, I know somebody who can do this. Hey, Oh, you need somebody. Oh, I know somebody who can do this. But the only way people will do that for you is if you've proven yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You've worked really hard. They see that you can work hard and they're like, okay, I know that this person can do it. So they're going to work. I love that. And I feel like along the way, you probably learned a lot about leadership because you had to work with other people. So tell me what was like your biggest lesson, like starting from the time that you were only 22 and you didn't really know what you were doing to the point where like now you've worked with different teams. What was like the biggest lesson and growth that you had there with when it pertains to leadership? That not everybody's going to bend to you, that you have to bend to everybody else when you're a leader. Because if you're the leader of a 10-person team, you cannot expect everybody to, you you may have a certain way that you like to lead, but not everybody else likes to be led the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's really having to decipher how each person likes to be led and being able to mold yourself to those different, different styles in order to get the best from them. I love that. It's so true, too, because, you know, when I've worked, I'm, I'm like a very hands-off type of person. So ideally, I would want those people that don't need direction, you know, they can just be independent. But I realize some people don't like that. Some people need their leader to be like on them and like asking questions every day. And then some people hate that. So it's good that you found that middle ground where we're like, okay, I'm going to adapt to each person. How do you do that? How do you figure out people? Because a lot of the women that are listening right now, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners. And I think as an entrepreneur, one of the challenges is that you're building a small team, right? Like we're not like CEOs of like huge corporations. We're starting to build small teams. And I think that's one of the challenges that we all have, including myself, is, okay, how do I start like nurturing this team and making them passionate and really like helping them understand the vision that we have? I think first of all, you have to ask, but not everybody's going to necessarily tell you or they think they're one way or not. So I think you start with asking, like, how do you work? Do you like working alone? Do you like Mm -hmm. working in a team? Do you like check-ins? Like kind of feeling them out. And then 
based on that, like you start with what they tell you, Mm -hmm. but you have, if you're seeing certain things, then you have to be willing to adjust yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So for example, if you see somebody who's like, Oh, I like to work by myself, but then they're not necessarily getting things done. Mm -hmm. Then maybe it's more of, Hey, let's make sure let's have a once a week Mm check-in or a twice a week Mm -hmm. check-in because then it puts deadlines for them. Right. Mm -hmm. It puts like, Oh wait, I have to have something for them. So you're still checking in, but they still feel like the autonomy of doing things themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people like for me, I know I need deadlines. Mm -hmm. So even if, somebody else doesn't give me deadlines, I have to impose deadlines on myself. Yeah. Because then I know that this has to be done. Even if I do it the last minute, it'll get done at that de- by that deadline. Mm-hmm. I know, but I know that's how I work best. Like giving me an open end date is, does not <laughs> work for me. I think for most people too, like, you know, because if you don't really have a deadline for something, then it's kind of like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Just exactly. <laughs> totally. And you're just like, whatever. So I think for like having deadlines, those are always really big because then people see those. I'm somebody who works very well. I need to see, like it has to be in my calendar. Mm-hmm. If it's not in my calendar, I'll forget about it or I forgot what I've done or anything like that. If you ask me what I did yesterday, if it's not in my calendar, yeah. I'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I worked, but yeah. what did I work on? I have no idea. <laughs> right. Okay, so you're having a pretty good career growth in Texas at this mm-hmm. point. When do you get back to San Diego? Um, so I ended up going from, I went to um, Brookhaven College, Community College. I transferred to the University of North Texas. And while I was at the University of North Texas, I had jobs. I worked full-time and went to school full-time. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I did that, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, because I don't think I would have the energy to do that now. Um, but I had a wonderful support system within where I worked. Mm-hmm. So I started out when I was at the nonprofit, which is now defunct, but it was called Promising Youth Alliance. And it was a collaboration of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club and wow. Phoenix House. So it was really awesome. I worked very, very closely with the CEO, who is Robbie. I told you my mm-hmm. mentor, Robbie. And then she left and she went to what's called DART, Dallas Area Rapid Transit. It's the Transit mm-hmm. Authority of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, I need somebody here. So I ended up going there as well. And I was there for three years. And I finished up my schooling while I was there. And there wasn't really anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anywhere else to go within the organization. Um, because I was already in the marketing communications department. But mm-hmm. the things that I would want to go into, it's a government. It's basically like a quasi-government job. Mm-hmm. So nobody leaves. All right until they're retiring or, you know, like people are there forever. So there wasn't a path for me there. Um, So I got a job. I actually interviewed and was offered and accepted a job at a charter school in Dallas. And it was really awesome at first because, you know, you bring your ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think you bring your ideas and they're like, yes, yes, we want to do something different Mm -hmm. and everything like that. But, you know, six months into it, they're like, we don't want, why are you changing things? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you changing things? And I had gotten them more press in six months, six, seven months that I was there than they had had in like the previous 10 years combined. And it was just, wasn't a good fit. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. Like, I think we tend to say, oh my gosh, like, was that a failure? Technically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a failure, but it was really a failure that helped push me forward, Mm -hmm. which I think is what failures do, you know? 
they can either drive you down or push you forward. Mm-hmm. I try and I try and look at it as a way to push me forward. So for like the next six months, I was trying to figure out. I was doing freelance stuff mm-hmm. and helping friends and doing different things and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Then I came home. I went home for like a month. I came back to San Diego or I was in Orange County because mm-hmm. that's where my parents live now. I went to Orange County. I was there for like a month and it just felt good. And then in October was my Thea's 90th birthday party. And my cousin's like, you have to come back. So I came back and I was like, I'm coming home. Wow. Like, and I just knew it. And yeah. that was in October. In November, I put in my, that was the saddest day putting in my notice for my apartment because I love my apartment. Mm-hmm. But you have to give 60 days notice. By January, I was packed up and moved back to California. And did I meet you that same? You, I met you when you came, right? No, that's mm-hmm. when I moved back to San Diego. Oh, okay. So, okay, so I, this is yeah. not when I met you yet. Okay. Yeah, I just, I moved back to, to California mm-hmm. in January of 2017, like okay. the end of January 2017. And it was hard. Like coming back, you're starting all over. Like here I was working, you know, in PR and marketing mm-hmm. communications. And I had like my contacts, yep. especially in Dallas. I knew who everybody was like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. we can do this. We can do this. And I had really established myself within the business community, especially the Hispanic business community there. So coming back to California, I was starting from scratch. Yeah. And it took, I was here nine months before I found a job. Yeah. It was I very, it. I, I mean, actually, I'm lying. I was here in the summer. I started a job with the World Police and Fire Games. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the Olympics for first responders. Oh, wow. So I got to do that. But that was like a temporary thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was just leading up to the games. The mm-hmm. games, once the games were ended, job was over. And then a couple months later in October of 2017 is when I finally found a job. But again, that was only for six months. Yeah. So it was like all of these things that were just, it just wasn't feeling like yeah. anything was connecting. I mean, especially with PR, because you, with PR, it's all about the connections that you have, I feel like. And so if you're moving into a new community that doesn't know you for that, that's super hard. That's yeah. Super oh, hard. it was really, really hard. And then I got a job with a nonprofit mm-hmm. in February of 2019. And again, it was one of those things where they were like, yes, we want to do different things. And, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a good fit, like mm-hmm. personality wise. So yeah. when they brought me into the office, it was, it had nothing to do with my job performance. It had nothing to do with anything else, but mm-hmm. literally they're just like, we just don't think you're a good fit. And I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like I did. I wasn't even stressed out yeah. about it. I you're felt like, like Thank you. Yes, I was like, thank you. And a week later, I got a call for a job in San Diego. And a week after that, I started. Oh, my. And that was May of 2019. And I think we met in October 2019. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. So we actually met at an event. Uh, what was it called, the event? Uh, Latitude. Latitude. Yeah. yeah. So we actually met there, and that was really cool. And obviously, you've been doing a lot of things in San Diego. I, I see you as someone that you're just a people person. I feel like you're just really good at making connections with people, reading people, communicating with people. And probably a lot of it has to do with your PR background, but I also feel like it has to do a lot with your own personal background. In growing up, I think maybe Latina, but a Latina from the US, like you had, I feel like you have like a mix of just understanding different backgrounds. So, um, so tell me, okay, so you come to San Diego, you're working here. How did you get plugged into the community? Because I didn't even meet you until October. So you have been here for quite a few months already. So mm-hmm. what were you doing during that time? So in February of 2019, there was the first Latinas Who Brunch in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I'd seen it. A friend of mine was doing one in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, who is Latinas Who Brunch? Yeah. Oh, there's going to be one in San Diego. So I 
brought a friend and we took the train down. I was like, let's make a day of it. Let's go to the brunch, a little Padres game, everything. That's crazy. I almost went to that one too, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I got to meet so many people, right? Mm-hmm. I got to meet um, Angie from For My Home Girls. Yes. I got to meet Pam from mm-hmm. Cafe Con Pam. I got to meet um, Vanessa, you know, the, the reporter Vanessa. I got to meet um, a bunch, just a yeah. really, like, a very Nancy. Well, yeah, yeah, if you're not local, these are women that are really involved in the community here locally. And like, we, we all know who they are. Like, yeah. I know all their names and everything. So that's awesome. You got really connected just from that one event, which shows the power of getting out there, putting yourself out there. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I remember Angie was so welcoming from Former Homegirl. So if you guys want, like, you know, shirts and earrings <laughs> and stuff, please go visit her. She's awesome. She's actually been to... I think most of our events and she's always so kind to sponsor, do a giveaway, that kind of, she's really generous too and really yeah. talented. So do check her out. Yeah. For sure. And then Pam sat down across from me and I was like, there's something <laughs> about her. Uh, and Pam is, you know, she has her own podcast as well, mm-hmm. Cafe Con Pam. So check that out. I'm all about plugging people yes. too. Yes. You know? Yes. And when I moved, or when I, before I officially moved, because I, this was supposed to be like a month and then the month has turned out into over a year. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, you know, me and Pam had connected. So we actually met to sit down for like an hour. And now it's so funny because I wasn't asking her to do anything for me. I just mm-hmm. thought like I needed to know yeah. her. I didn't, yeah. like there was just something. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and I was like, so what, like, tell me what you do. Like, I want to like know about you. had no idea you. who she was or anything. You just genuinely wanted to connect with her. Yeah. And it's so funny because now we talk about it and she always says like she will set a very hard time the first time she meets somebody mm-hmm. to see like, yeah, what are they actually, what want? do they want? What yeah. do they want from me? Exactly. Like, are they asking? Yeah. But I wasn't asking her yeah. for anything. I was just asking her to tell me like about her and I'm like, yeah. tell me about you. Like, tell me what you yeah. do. I have like, I didn't listen to your podcast. Yeah. Like, tell me about your podcast. And, it and that is so true about you because even when we met, you didn't know anything about me. No. Nope. And it was refreshing, Jess. <laughs> it was refreshing because I, I remember we were walking, we met at the event and we were looking for a lunch place or something. And yeah. you were asking me questions like, tell me about you. What do you do? And it was almost refreshing that like, and I almost didn't want to tell you, like I almost wanted to be like, just chit chat and like, just get to know each other because I feel like it was so refreshing to meet someone and, I, and I've seen you do this with everybody. This is something that I love about you, that you genuinely care and you really want to just listen to people's stories and you want to get to know people. And that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm a very curious person and I yeah. think that's ultimately, that's kind of what led to me wanting to do the podcast, right? So let's talk about that. So you have a podcast now. Yeah. Now, I want you to not, like, let's not jump ahead. I want you to, like, walk me through even the beginning of it. Because it's not like growing up, you were like, oh, I'm going to have a podcast one day or anything like that, right? So I want to... no such thing The right reason now. why I want to share your story, too, is because I feel like we sometimes kind of fall into our purpose and, and based on, like, everything that you lived. So walk me through the process of, like, when did it click in your head? How did it happen? Like, how did you think of the concept before you tell us exactly? And then you can tell us yeah. more about what it is. So the podcast is actually kind of like iteration three or four of this <laughs> idea that I had. Mm-hmm. And it started out as actually a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I'm 42. I have no problem saying that because I don't look at hey, no, you know, so good. <laughs> <laughs> And dating in this age is very, very weird. Right. I feel like everybody pays attention to like the 18 to 35 maybe range. Not even and then the senior, yeah. <laughs> and then the senior range. But there's this, age where you're kind of like technically I guess you could be 
considered midlife, but I was like, I don't feel not, I, I feel not quite midlife. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like the way that sounds. Mm-hmm. And so it started out as like me with some friends talking about dating in this really? age. She didn't even know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I have still have like videos and that I've taken down, but I still have them. <laughs> But it's it started of, of us having these conversations and talking about dates that we've gone on and things that people have done. And it was supposed to be with two friends. One of them wasn't comfortable being on camera. And then the other one, we did a couple of episodes, but then it kept feeling like every week I was having to chase down people. Mm. Like, oh, do you want to do it this time? Oh, you want to do it this time? Mm. And so I kind of just let it go because I didn't want to keep chasing like people to set times mm-hmm. to do that. So then I realized, well, maybe one of the things is not everybody feels comfortable on camera. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is I want to ha- talk to different people. I just don't want to ha- talk to the same people every mm-hmm. week. So that's when I shifted it from being YouTube to a podcast I was like well maybe it needs to be a podcast format and then I had gone to this event called pleasure after dark with that and we had to give these names mm-hmm. and the name that I we, like these fake names for ourselves and the fake name that I had given myself was amor con labios mm. right <laughs> which is love with your lips so you don't know so it's amor con labios and then I was thinking well maybe that's what the podcast name should be because Life and love comes from the lips up top and the lips at the bottom. (laughs) But it's true, right? Life and love comes from that. So then it it went from amor to entre labios, right? (laughs) I did not know these guys. I did not know the story. (laughs) And then as, you know, you came over to my, oh, so actually you were kind of helped prompt this without even knowing because when we met I was already contemplating a change in my name a change in my Instagram name Mm -hmm. because it was like my first initial my last name the first part of my last name yeah (laughs) and you can we were talking and you kept asking me wait what's your Instagram name again to tag me and stuff and then I remember we kind of were talking and you said can I tell you something please don't be offended and I was like yeah sure and you're like I think you should change your Instagram name because I can't remember it. And so many people might not be able to remember it. I remember that. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I was already thinking of changing it. Mm -hmm. So you didn't offend me at all. I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not offended. I was already thinking of changing it. I just didn't know what I wanted to change it to. Then we went to lunch with Patty Delgado Mm -hmm. and Vanessa, like with Mm -hmm. uh, and we were talking and I was it just came out like, wow. yeah, you know, I'm a wine and cheese me connoisseur or something like mm-hmm. that. And I was like, that's what I need to change. Wow. Need to. And then Patty was cool. like, change it now. I can't believe I never thought of that. I love a good pun. Wow. She's like, I can't believe I never thought of that. So she I, does love those. Yes, yeah, she, <laughs> she does. She does. So I was like, you're right. I need to change it. So literally I changed it. And then when I had my birthday party, it was a wine and cheese yeah. my party. Yeah, yeah. And because I love wine mm-hmm. and I love cheese and yeah. I love cheese men. Cheese men kind of combines both of those. And then I kept it kept gnawing at me like, no, entre labios just that's not mm-hmm. right. That's not right. And at first, I was talking to Pam and I was like, well, maybe it should be. She's like, well, maybe it's a segment that you mm-hmm. add a mm-hmm. wine and cheese my segment. And I was like, yeah, but then it just still didn't feel. You right. just didn't feel it. No. Wow. And then I was ta- I was talking to her and I was like, you know what? I'm changing it. Mm-hmm. The name of the podcast is yeah. going to be the Wine and Cheese Myth Podcast. I love it. And she's like, yes, yes, that sounds so good. And I think that's been partly uh, part of your success is that the name, right? Because 
sometimes people don't even listen to a podcast. They don't even give it a chance if the name is not catchy. Yeah. So I think a big part of the attention that it's gotten so far, which is really good, <laughs> we just started and like it just took off. I think it's because of the name. So that's, I love that you're saying that you you just weren't feeling it, but then with the wine and cheese, you felt it, right? Like you felt like it was the right thing. Oh, totally. And when I talked to my, my parents don't know what a podcast is, mm-hmm. right? They're like, what the heck? Yeah. And but when I told my mom and I told her the name, she was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so you!" Wow! Like, um, everybody knew it. Yeah, like yeah. anybody that knows me, mm-hmm. when I said the name, yes. they were just like, "Oh my, yes, that's yeah. you!" Like, that's you all the way mm-hmm. for sure. And so it was hard, like, to get started. You don't realize like how what a vulnerable place you're putting yourself in when you're Mm -hmm. getting started in something like that. Everybody that has been around me has been such a tremendous help. And I hadn't officially started yet until, and I had, I was getting like all the little things together. And you were the one who said, you need to have a lunch party. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, do I really? Yes, yes, you need to have one. Let's schedule it right now. And you're like, okay, it's going to be February 20th. Let's schedule it. And by... Again, I told you, I need deadlines, right? (laughs) So by imposing a deadline, I was like, oh, crap, I need to get started Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So it really helped push me forward to just start. Because I remember we even had that conversation. It's like, because you had announced it, you couldn't say, oh, I'll just do it later. I just, yeah. Exactly. I I love that. And that's the thing. It's like, once you put it out there, and for me, I don't want to feel like, I'm letting people down. Right, right. And the thing that also kept me going was that not only did I have a place, like mm-hmm. you you allowed me to use Femex quarters mm-hmm. for it, then I was working with the selfie station with Lucy mm-hmm. and she provided, you know, a photo booth. And then um, DJ Cutler Supreme, my friend mm-hmm. Carlos, he provided DJ services. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, All About Wine Tasting, mm-hmm. who provided wine. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, uh, the place in that provided some of the, the cheese in uh, Jensen's out of Point Loma. Mm-hmm. They provided some cheese yeah. and charcuterie. And I was just like, wow, all these people. And Pam helped you with your brand. And right? Pam yeah. did much. Pam was the one who created the logo. Mm-hmm. And... So this is beautiful because I think this is a testament to you building these general relationships, right? Like at that time when you started making these friendships, you you still didn't know about the podcast, right? So you're building these general relationships that later on pay off for you, right? Like it's a support system. But I think the beauty of it is that you never went in to take you went in to give. So when it was time for you to do something, like people just showed up for you. Like was, I genuinely like yeah. wanted to help you, you know, like I genuinely just wanted to be part of it and help you and support you. So I think that's something really important for the people listening is that, you know, we have to come in with that mentality of like, how can I give? And then down the road, it always pays off, but that's not the intention behind it. And I love that about you, Jess. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. So you had the support system. You you just launched. It was an amazing party. The cheese board. It wasn't even a cheese board. It was like an entire table spread. <laughs> it was so awesome. With like fruit and like all kinds of like stuff, like jam and like cheese. And it was amazing. Yes. So then what happened? I mean, so I started with three mm-hmm. episodes. We launched mm-hmm. with three episodes. So it's a weekly 
you know, it comes out once a week, every Wednesday, because there was already wine Wednesday. Yeah. So I was like, well, why wine Wednesday? It should be wine and cheese meal Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I kind of went in with that, that vision. I just, it, everything just felt good. And at first I was really scared, like who's going to want to come on? And I had already written down a list of people that I wanted to come on, people that like I have my dream guests, mm-hmm. some, you know, that I would like to participate. But it was at first, it was very like, oh my gosh, like what if nobody listens and what if nobody anything and oh my gosh and because I'm not starting with like 20 here's the thing I think we all want to start out perfect and we all want to start out with like 20,000 downloads our first time but that's just not how it works right Mm -hmm. I'm not even somebody who has 20,000 Instagram followers um so that when you weren't starting out I think you were your Instagram because you had only used it for personal use Mm -hmm. so you didn't even have a big Instagram account no I had less than a thousand followers yeah I think in January, before the podcast launched, mm-hmm. I think I had less than a thousand followers. Wow. And what, six months? So I, in six months later, I think I'm pushing 1600 or something wow. like that. Mm-hmm. So in all organic, that's what we do there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm, yeah, I'm not paying for stuff. I'm not whatever. You're not pushing it or anything. It's just naturally happening. Yeah. And it's been really nice to see. And I've really tried, to, I try to connect with mm-hmm. everybody. You know, if somebody responds to me, I try and respond back all the Mm -hmm. time because I know I appreciate it when somebody Mm -hmm. does that for me, Mm -hmm. but also I want to make sure like as things continue to grow that the whole purpose, so the whole purpose of of the podcast, the whole mission behind the podcast is really to amplify voices that weren't always amplified Mm -hmm. voices and people coming from marginalized and communities of color. Mm -hmm. I felt like I kept seeing the same stories recycled, Mm -hmm. right? But I know that I have so many friends that are doing really awesome things that their stories aren't getting told. Mm -hmm. And if I know I have these friends, I know that there's multitude upon multitude upon multitudes of people Mm -hmm. that are doing really awesome things and they're not, their stories aren't being told. Mm -hmm. So that's really, and across the board within communities of color, whether you know, I, whether you're from the black community or whether you're from an Asian community or South Asian community or, Latin, you know, the Latinx community, any of those things, it's important to me that we learn from one another, yeah. that we all share our stories because there's something that we're able to get from each other mm-hmm. to be able to learn and to grow. So that's really the mission behind that's been the mission from day mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And as things continue to grow, I want to make sure that I keep my focus on that's the mission of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's beautiful because like you said, a lot of people focus on how popular someone is to interview in their podcast or how famous or how many followers they have. So I think it's beautiful that you're sharing these stories because everybody's great. People have great stories. People have beautiful stories and you're creating a platform to showcase those stories. So what would you say has been like the biggest challenge in this process? Did you ever feel fear? Did you ever feel doubt? What was the biggest challenge? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think that whole vulnerability thing, right? Because you're putting yourself out there in a way that you haven't before. And you're scared that people are going to judge you. And you're scared that people are going to, what are they going to say? And I have a business coach and we were talking and really it comes down to Am I holding my own integrity? And as long as I know that what I'm doing, I'm doing with integrity and I hold the integrity within myself, then I can't, there's, I think, especially when you start growing, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be somebody that probably has somebody like something negative to say to you. I haven't heard it to me yet. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there has been, Mm -hmm. but I haven't heard it, but I can't, 
there's always and the more you grow the more that it happens yeah so I just need to know like if and when that happens Mm -hmm. those are not the things that I pay attention to I need to pay attention to the people who you know, want to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. I need to focus mm-hmm. on the stories that need to be told mm-hmm. and not necessarily the negative voices because there's always going to be somebody there to tear you mm-hmm. down. Which I think for women, it's really hard though. Like we naturally tend to like, we'll get like a thousand good comments, let's say on your podcast or something, mm-hmm. or like a thousand good reviews. And then you get one bad review or one bad comment. And like, sometimes it's easy. I don't know if it's easier, it's harder, but we tend to focus on that one voice instead yeah. of like all the compliments or whatever. So it's really hard for women to do that naturally. Do you feel like that's natural of you or do you feel like that's something that you just try to? I have to try because growing up, I was, because I was made fun of and everything, I always wanted to be a people pleaser mm-hmm. I, I because I didn't want to be made fun of, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I do what people want me to do, they won't make fun of me, but that doesn't work. No, it's not. <laughs> never, you can never please everybody. Yeah. But now I come from a place of the same thing. Like 100%, if you're if 100 percent of the people like you 100 percent of the time, you're doing something wrong because that oh, means you're, you're not compromising yourself. Anything. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it's it's not easy. Like I said, I have not seen it yeah. as of yet. Mm-hmm. But I do know that if that comes, like I would, I'm gonna try and stay away from that because I don't want to focus on that that yeah. negative. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on the stories that need to be told mm-hmm. and the people behind the stories. And I love it because you have been involved now that with uh, Black Lives Matter and everything that's happening, you have been really involved with that too and, and giving a voice. Are you interviewing people of color, Black people now? Like, what are you doing now to kind of like do more for that community? Well, I had, even at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, yeah. right before COVID went down, mm-hmm. there was, I had, you know, I wanted this to be a place for all yeah. POC. Mm-hmm. And so I had somebody, I had a, a woman by the name of Jordan, who mm-hmm. we talked about the uh, March for Black Women in mm-hmm. San Diego. And that happened before yeah. like the, even COVID happened. Yeah. But my friend group is very diverse. And I've been having these conversations for years. Yeah. The conversations that are surrounding these things, I've been having with my Black friends for years. And I hate even saying like, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's because we learn from mm-hmm. each other, right? Mm-hmm. It, and so these conversations, mm-hmm. they don't make me uncomfortable yeah. because, like I said, I've been having these conversations and asking and learning mm-hmm. for years upon years upon years. So I think it's just it's this is just, just a natural. platform that allows you to amplify those voices. Exactly. Okay, so you have your podcast now, and you're also still working, right? Yes. But you're kind of living the dream with your podcast. This is, you feel like this is what you are meant to do, right? Part oh, absolutely. Person. This is the first time in my life that I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I hear a lot of women say sometimes like, oh, I want to do this podcast, or I want to start this business, or... I want to do a side hustle, but I still have my job, but I don't think it's the right time, but maybe I need to wait. What would you say to those women? But just do it. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel now that you're doing it? I can't imagine doing anything else. It's been awesome. Like, it's not always easy. I'm a one-woman show. Mm -hmm. I don't have anybody to edit for me. I don't have anybody to schedule for me, but I've learned processes to help with that, right, to make it easier for myself. So I'm the one who finds the guests. I'm the one who created the questionnaire. I'm the one who schedules them. I'm the one who 
does the interview. I'm the one who edits. I'm the one who does the social media for it. Mm -hmm. Like it's me. I'm the one woman show. I think when you find something that you're really passionate about, you find the time to do it. You make the time to do it. Mm -hmm. So how can people find you, find your podcast? And you're also always accepting people to share their story, right? So how can they do that? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, which is at the wine and chisme, and chisme is C H I S M E. And for those who don't know, chisme is gossip in Spanish. <laughs> and on LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm at the wine and chisme podcast. And if you are interested in being a guest, you can reach me on any of those platforms, or you can uh, reach me at hola. H-O-L-A at thewineandcheesemithpodcast.com. So my website's going to be launching very soon, and that'll be thewineandcheesemithpodcast.com where you'll be able to listen from there. From there, You can download from any of the platforms as well as apply to be a guest. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jess. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's a story that's beautiful. It's a, It shows that I feel like it shows that it's a process, that everything that you live is part of the process and you arrived at what we call our purpose or like what you're meant to do, but it wasn't a clear cut. And I think sometimes people get frustrated, especially like if you're in your 30s, like you're thinking like, I'm still not doing what I love. But you said you're 42. You just quote unquote stumbled into your purpose, even though you were getting prepared all along. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that it's never too late, right? Because I was yeah. one of those people where I'm like, why do I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, I feel like everybody else has found what they're supposed to yeah. be doing, and I haven't. I was definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, no, I, I found it. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, podcasts weren't really a thing, or they were just barely starting. Mm-hmm. So I think it had to be this time. Right. I had to learn the lessons. I think being in San Diego, like me being here in San Diego mm-hmm. – had to be it had to be here it couldn't have been anywhere else Mm -hmm. well that's awesome thank you so much for all that you do for the world and for me too um and yeah make sure you go check her out follow the wine and chisme um and yeah we'll talk soon besos thank you for listening to another episode of femex podcast i truly hope that it has inspired you and helped you grow a little more don't forget to follow us on social at FemX Podcast. That is F-E-M-X Podcast. I'll see you there. Besos.